Nephilim update. Nephilim update. Nephilim update. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and every beast of the field. On your belly will you go, and dust you will eat, all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and afterward as well, when the sons of God had relations with the daughters of men. And they bore them children who became the mighty men of old, men of renown. Genesis 6, 4 A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason a woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head, because of the angels. 1 Corinthians 11, 7-10 And the angels who did not stay within their own domain but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in eternal chains under darkness, bound for judgment on that great day. Jude 1, 6 We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak that come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we must have seemed the same to them. Numbers 13.33 And there was still another battle at Gath, where there was a man of great stature with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in all. He too was descended from Rapha, and when he taunted Israel, Jonathan the son of David's brother Shimei killed him. So these descendants of Rapha in Gath fell at the hands of David and his servants. 1 Chronicles 20, verse 6-8 According to Strong's H7496 Rapha, translated, is, shades, ghosts, and it means dead, departed spirits, or spirits of the dead. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. In whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In the ark a few people, only eight souls, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes the baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge off a clear conscience toward God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are listening to Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry Radio and Razzle Dazzle, I'm your best buddy Basil. And my name is Gons, welcome to episode number 170. Finally, finally, <laughs> 170. Yeah, barely there. But uh, yeah, it was um, just a mere hours into 2024 and we started to see the word Nephilim trending on social media and mentioned in mainstream news articles. The catalyst appeared to be TikTok videos that, according to some content creators, showed a massive giant entity walking amongst a chaotic scene of nearly 100 police cars flashing their lights and blocking the road near a mall in Miami. While the footage is not particularly conclusive, in my personal opinion, we'll ask 
LA about that. It was the absolute parabolic ascension of the search term Nephilim that made this particular event a social phenomenon that this show is equipped to analyze with our decade plus of research and content centered around the topic. It's important to separate actual biblical and historical facts about the Nephilim with how the word is being distributed into culture. But with the topics of the Nephilim being a natural destination for Christians who embark on the journey to understand truths about things like aliens, UFOs, transhumanism, and eschatology, the people of the Canarium are perhaps the most well-equipped to inform and edify a church thirsty for more knowledge uh, without assisting the social engineers from gaining control over the word. And to help us navigate the nefarious <laughs> netherworld of the Nephilim, we welcome back a pillar in that exploration, our good old friend, L.A. Marzuli. L.A., welcome back to Canary Cry Radio. Great to be here, guys. Absolutely. It's so great to have you back. Last time we spoke was right before the, the disaster of early 2020. It was a totally different world. We had you on episode 146 talking about the Serpent Mounds in October 2nd, 2019. But just so everybody knows, maybe if you're new to the show, you can go back and check out episode 63 back in the early days 2014 navigating the end times live uh you of course appeared in episode 100 in basil and gonza's excellent adventure but then back again 122 miracle in fatima on oh. october 6 29 or 2017 rather so we are so happy to have you on the list of repeat and beloved guests. Oh, and I forgot episode 58 back in 2013, L.A. Marzulli. Over a on decade the ago, 10 yeah. plus years ago, L.A. It's a long time. We're old, old <laughs> friends, and it's so nice to talk to it you. It certainly is, Basil. Where are we? <laughs> oh, man. So what I love about you, you might be the hardest working Christian uh, that I that I know at least <laughs> the hardest working Christian on the tail uh, of you know dark beings that are left over from a more sinister time in human history and you've really been a godfather of mm. Nephilim research of course uh, among a handful of other uh, quality godfathers of the of the genre but really we could not think of anyone better to address the current Nephilim hullabaloo going on <laughs> uh, than to get you on the show. So we really appreciate your time, buddy. Oh, it's great to be here, guys. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to just start off with a little montage I put together. I was just scouring YouTube. This is just a YouTube montage of people talking about the Nephilim. Uh, and I, I was surprised at how much has changed in the last couple years, especially, but obviously, you know, leading up to the turn of the year with all the stuff happening in Miami, we'll talk about that. Um, but just to get a flavor of what's happening out there, here's a little montage. Yes, tonight I want to talk to you about, uh, I'm, I'm actually just going to throw out some, some cringe-worthy material tonight. I'm actually going to talk to you about um, something that is incredibly biblical, something that is so kingdom, it's all the way through the Bible, but it's not a big part of modern-day Christianity. And it's like, why? Why is that? But I'm going to tell you, it's something that we need to be able to wrap our head around. The closer that we get to the imminent and the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are some of us Nephilim today? 
Do you actually know where we are on the biblical prophetic calendar? Today, I'm going to tell you why Nephilim is trending all over the world right now. People believe that Nephilim, which are, if you don't know, fallen angels in Genesis 6 that bred with humans and became a basically genetically modified fallen angel human hybrid giant. <laughs> That's a really weird way to describe it. But we're going to talk about that. Did they show up in a Miami mall? Hey guys, today I have a very interesting video for you. Some of you guys asked me about the Nephilim. The true story of the Nephilim. Eight to ten foot creatures. They said they didn't have no hands. They weren't aggressive. They weren't trying to hurt nobody. Kind of like looked like they were lost. They were like teleporting and coming back quickly and shape shifting like and and not in like a crack. Yeah, I, it's crazy. I can't even say not in a crazy way, but in such a superior way, said they weren't scared of us at all. Many by now will know of the apocalyptic Hebrew text, the Book of Enoch. The Nephilim or fallen ones in Genesis 6-4 are mysterious personalities. So uh, the question that I get all the time is, who is the Nephilim? Right. I did a video. What was happening during Noah's time? Something else was happening in Noah's time, in the days of Noah. One of the biggest mysteries in all of the Bible is the identity of the Nephilim. Who are the giants of Christianity, also known as the Nephilim? 10 facts about giants and the Nephilim. Hundreds of years after the Bible's flood story, the mysterious Nephilim giants have returned. Who are the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6? Now let's turn our attention to uh, chapter 6 and a very challenging narrative. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. That it was actually Nephilim and their descendants, the Rephaim, who introduced magic. And, uh, mm -hmm. and he also correlates it to, to Babylon as well. Who is this monster god who commands genocide and so on? Uh, but so he, he's killing off these giants, which uh, the authors of Second Temple literature, when they're like, trying to explain the problem of evil, they're pointing to these guys. Tonight, I'll be teaching about uh, Nephilim, fallen angels and demons. What's the difference, right? The term Nephilim is found a total of two times in the Bible. All right, I stopped it there, but that, <laughs> as you can tell, the topic is quite popular and everyone wants to talk about it. Unreal. Could you have ever imagined a world <laughs> everyone's making Nephilim videos, LA. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, what kind of blows me away. I mean, I've written 13 books um, in or about the Nephilim and the connection between the Nephilim and UFOs and fallen angels. It's all, it all dovetails together. I mean, I've been banging this drum for almost 30 years, literally. Um, in the very first novel, which was published by Zondervan, there's a term I quote I came up with called the coming great deception, and that that novel was called Nephilim. Um, we have it in our in our store. It was published in 1999, but I was doing the research on it 95. So you know this goes back, 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 and then of course my my mentor, Dr. I. D. E. Thomas. This book changed my life: the Omega Conspiracy, where Dr. Thomas. Uh, talks about the Nephilim and what they were. And that, that book, this book changed my life. So, I mean, this is my life's work. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And then on the trail of a Nephilim, 
where we go to these ancient megalithic sites. So with all due respect to some of these guys, it's one thing to be an armchair researcher, and, and I, we got to do that. We all need to spend time in the library. We read books like Dr. Thomas's book. We read books like G.H. Pember and, you know, whatever. I mean, there's a whole catalog of things, especially, you know, in, in some of the apocryphal books found in, in Hebrew literature. That's one way, and, and that's the backbone, and I've done all that research. But then you go out into the field, like is what we've done, and you handle things. This is a model. You start handling things like this, and now you're off to the races because now it's not theory. It's not some book that you've read. You're handling the real deal. You're handling, handling an elongated skull. There's attachments that come with these things. The spiritual warfare is all too real. They will follow you home. And um, I've had to deal with some of that over the years. But then, you know, we go to all sorts of places um, all over the world, and we are actually got uh, a couple of things on the docket for this year because the, the remnants of the Nephilim are all throughout there's, let me let me back up. When Joshua and Caleb go into the promised land about 3,500 years ago, and what people don't understand, and people call it genocide, when you read in the biblical narrative that, you know, okay, Joshua and Caleb come in, and they're, they're, they're told by a loving, holy God to wipe everybody out. Men, women, children, animals burn everything. Well, from our perspective, that's genocide. There's no doubt about that. However, if what we're looking at is an un, a, a hybrid entity, part fallen angel, part human women, and they're mixing the genomes, and these, these entities have no souls, that's, that's conjecture, but that's what we think, that they have no souls. And this is why wherever the Nephilim are present, you get this type of, of command from the Most High God. Well, when the children of Israel come in, to the promised land, uh, it's the 12 tribes. And this all springs from Genesis 3.15, all of it. The springboard is Genesis 3.15, where Jesus is in the garden with the dragon and, and, and Adam and Eve. And he says to the dragon, your seed, your offspring, will be at war at enmity with the offspring, the seed of the woman, the one coming from the woman, the proto-evangelion, the Messiah, will crush your head. In other words, take your kingdom away. You'll bruise his heel. That is the entire biblical narrative. Genesis 3.15 is the gateway to the rest of the biblical narrative. And I want to thank Gary Stearman for illuminating that on one of our Nephilim, uh, one of the early days of our Nephilim conferences way back in Ohio, probably over, well over 10 years ago, and that blew us all away. Genesis 3.15 is the springboard to the rest of the Bible. So when we talk about these elongated skulls in Peru, uh, what we need to understand is when Joshua and Caleb come in to the Promised Land, it's been 400 years since Abraham got tapped out by Jesus. Remember, Jesus shows up with two angels. The two angels get dispatched to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, there's the balloons. I have, I, have no, I, I have no control over this. I don't know why. What was that? It. Did you do that, Basil? Yeah, I, I, no. no. Hey, I'm doing it. Certain hand gestures will bring them in. I don't even know. And I oh. turn it off. I didn't know. For those who are. I do this again. I mean, yeah. it didn't work, right? So I don't know. If I do For those who are just listening to the podcast version. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> 
uh, L.A. I don't can know, do guys, right? hand uh, gestures. I know. I don't and know whatever program from. he's using like, will send up a bunch of balloons or sh- shoot off fireworks. <laughs> how does that It makes work? it very exciting, it L.A. It makes it very exciting, and it's, it's a crack up on all the shows I go on. <laughs> I'm not in control. I'm just That's thinking, great. All of a sudden, things start happening. Anyway. You know, go ahead. If I may, for a second, I don't want to interrupt. Um, but you know, like Gans was mentioning, the the explosion of interest in the Nephilim, and of course, this has uh, a lot to do with UFO, um, you know, disclosure stuff like that. And it's funny because that's exactly what your point was back when we first met you was right. this this topic of nephilim is not just another type of cryptozoological creature for fringy people to be interested in and what uh, what i think you're explaining quite well is that the nephilim as a species or as a topic puts into context so many things in regards to the Bible, like you mentioned, uh, when the Lord is, you know, condoning genocide, as someone might put it in the Bible, you know, it's it's not just condoning genocide, but in the context of Nephilim, it's an entirely different story Correct. Uh, in the context of Noah's flood. How could God flood the earth just because people were being bad and having, you know, premarital sex or something? But in the again, in the context of the Nephilim and all the surrounding, uh, you know, topics uh, to these creatures. It starts to put a lot of the more offensive to sort of the secular taste, the more offensive bits of the Old Testament into this sort of cosmic context of the, you know, corruption of the image. And there's uh, sort of an invasion of Earth and the human species with the powers of darkness, not just creating, you know, unhappy humans, but actual species that are going against sort of the laws of creation in a way. Uh, And so, you know, I see this and look, it's easy for us to get exasperated. Guns and I get exasperated all the time because (laughs) the post COVID world that we are in now is a world that we would have loved that we would have thrived in as far as the online media space uh, when it comes to people's interest in uh, the government and conspiracy theories and cryptozoology and aliens and all these things. But there is a point to get exasperated about uh, regarding and I can't imagine what it's like to be you, L.A., where you devote your life to this formerly absolutely obscure and ignored and sometimes uh, criticized ridicule topic. Yeah, because, you know, it, there were the days where it would be common. It's a common refrain for Gans and I and other people in our in our genre of like, hey, you're not getting this on Sunday morning. Nobody's talking about the Bible in church. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. You have to be a weird podcaster to even bring up the topic. And now it's bringing the, the topic is at the pulpit every Sunday, you know, in one church or another. You have 
personalities like Tucker Carlson and Roseanne Barr talking <laughs> right. about Nephilim, just flippantly dropping uh, the topic and in sort of, again, exasperatingly vague and imprecise uh, language when a lot of this stuff, that's why we brought you on LA, because if there is anybody that we have access to, to really set the record straight on <clears throat> Nephilim, uh, it's you. And I look around and I see, honestly, the entire Internet ecosystem needs this opportunity to set the record straight on Nephilim and to actually learn, because now everybody thinks they know what Nephilim are. Uh, and yet there is such a deep, rich uh, history of this research, even with you yourself. I mean, like you said, I forget the numbers, but something like 180 books and 7,000 videos <laughs> and, you know, a lifetime of work uh, devoted to the topic. So it's really my hope uh, for somebody who maybe heard Roseanne talk about Nephilim and maybe you watched a TikToker talk <laughs> about Nephilim uh, to really get a firm sort of uh, I don't know, academically uh, precise understanding of exactly what the Nephilim are and in context, what does the Nephilim mean for us, both as Christians and even the secular world? I mean, in the context of UFOs and UAPs and uh, transdimensional creatures and stuff like this, uh, this truly Nephilim could be much like it was the connecting point for many mysteries and misunderstandings in the Bible, the Nephilim now could be the connecting point for a lot of unanswered questions in our world right now, even to the secular, you know, UFO enthusiast or whatever, you know. So, uh, I mean, first of all, I hope and I pray that we are not the only ones who have felt moments of exa exasperation about this, but it's really, uh, it, it, I am encouraged. I am encouraged and optimistic that your whole career has led up to this moment uh, that, you know, mass interest in the admittedly ludicrously obscure topic that you've devoted your life to. <laughs> uh, you know, you are the right guy for the moment and not just because you've read the books or written the books, but because you've held the elongated schools, you have visited the archaeology sites, you've talked uh, to everybody there is to talk to. We're talking about hands on in the field Nephilim research for three decades. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'd like to start us there. Um, first of all, it, do you get an impression about the place that the world is in regards to knowledge about the Nephilim? And how would you want to set the record straight uh, for the topic? I, I would say this, that the reason, I think part of the reason why this is coming on, um, it'll be like the days of Noah. Jesus warns us. It'll be like the days of Noah when he returns. And so, you know, when you go back to the days of Noah and we look at Genesis 6, they were eating and drinking. Well, who were they? And mm -hmm. most most people say, well, those are just human beings that were eating and drinking. No, it's the sons of God who are eating and drinking. And who are the sons of God? The B'nai Elohim. What does that mean? That's the fallen angels. They're coming to earth 
They're mixing their seed. It goes back to Genesis 3.15. The seed of a dragon will be at war. The seed, the offspring, offspring, offspring of the dragon will be at war with the offspring, offspring, offspring of the woman. The proto-evangelium, the Messiah, will crush the dragon's head. He'll bruise his heel. Three chapters later in Genesis 6, the whole thing explodes. The sons of God, the B'nai Elohim, are not the godly lion of Seth. That is a complete mistranslation, in my opinion. If you want to believe that, go for it, because the rest of the Bible won't make any sense, because how do they appear after the flood? Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Moses is writing this thousands of years after the flood. Why doesn't he just say the Nephilim were on the earth in those days? And the story. No, yeah. afterwards, afterwards, afterwards. There's a mingling of the seed. When we get to Daniel chapter 2, 43, first of all, that book is sealed until the time of the end. The angel tells us this, tells Daniel, Daniel, seal up the words of the book until the time of the end. Then he gives us a supernatural clue of what the time of the end will look like. Men and women will run to and fro over the face of the earth, and knowledge will increase. Well, it's flatlined until modernity, until the Industrial Revolution, until Gutenberg's printing press. Then we start to get a rise in um in, in progress on some level. And now in modernity, everything the last 150 years, 200 years coming up, it's just like like this. It's exponential. Yeah. Knowledge will increase. Men will run to and fro with the face of the earth. As we are speaking, men and women are running to and fro with the face of the earth. Thousands of planes are in the sky running to and fro over the face of the earth. The book is unsealed. Now jump to 243, Daniel chapter 243, their seed will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not cleave to them. Who is that? This is why Genesis 3.15, you can tap dance around that. You can do the two, Texas two-step in California all you want, and, and you're never going to get the answer unless, unless we embrace what's literally said, that it's the literal offspring of the dragon, the seed of the dragon. He's mixing his seed. The fallen angels are mixing their seed, creating a hybrid being. So Daniel chapter 243 tells us this. In the last days, their seed will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not cleave to them. The word cleave is what we get in marriage. I got this from Jim Willemson. Yeah. So there is no marriage. Women are taken. Ovum is taken from the women. Sometimes they're impregnated. This is our fourth film in the UFO series on abductions, where we sat down with four people who have been abducted, and, and, and their stories are, are just gut-wrenching, especially from the women, because the babies are being taken from them at the end of the third month. I'm not making this stuff up. You know, we've done a deep dive, and we only have like, you know, an hour or whatever. We're going to scratch the surface. That's why there's 28 films and 13 books. Because right. the subject is deep. It's very, very deep. So we're in the time of the end. Things are being unsealed. That scripture, men and men and women will run to and fro over the face of the earth. Knowledge will increase. We're here. Their seed is mingling with the seed of men, but there is no marriage contract. And so I think the reason why this is coming out is because people are groping for answers. Because it's it, from my viewpoint, everything dovetails together. The entire abduction phenomena, the UFO phenomena, um, the, the Nephilim, the Kandahar giant, what happened in Miami, everything dovetails together. And it all points back to this cosmic war, cosmic chess match that we find ourselves immersed in. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And, you know, I've, I've been riding that message for about a decade now, too. And I think, and I said this 
probably five or six years ago, and I, I think we'll continue to see it unfold. This topic, I think, is the oil that greases the wheel of Christian apologetics in this decade and decades to come. Because, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Gons. Yeah, because we, you know, we saw atheism rise and fall. And now with the context of what Basil and I have been talking about with Carl Teichrib and the re-enchantment of society and what we're seeing, especially with AI, we're probably going to see a lot of ancient languages and ancient codex and all this kind of stuff reemerge because, you know, chat GPT can, you know, do some stuff and you can ask it to come up with spells or what, whatever. It's all becoming a cult again. It's re-enchantment of society. And in that context, if you're going to defend the faith, obviously, you know, more people are thinking in lines of supernatural occult, but that means opening up this treasure trove of information that I think uh, people like ULA have been uh, helping build for years is this notion that the word is true in any generation, especially as we get towards the end, more stuff's going to just be true for those who are paying attention. So I think a lot of people, it's great to see young people the light bulb go off, you know, because that, that light bulb went off in my head 2010, 20, 2009, something like that. Reading your books, L.A., I read, you know, the trilogy, the fictions and and got into all your work. And that was part of my process of learning about it and and then connecting it to the UFO topic and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is the answer or at least the the direction that a believer should go when they're curious about it. Because up until that point, there really wasn't. A lot. I mean, there, there were people, Chuck Missler had written a book in the late 90s. Yeah. Uh, there, there were, you know, the Pember books, like you mentioned. So they're historical books. But, you know, this is sort of the beginning of Internet reaching a full generation. Uh, so, uh, you know, we didn't really discover that stuff till a few years later. But, um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. So somebody actually doing not just the writing, but exploring the topic and being out on the field is a tremendous value, LA. So we have always uh, appreciated you for that. Now let's talk about the Miami thing, because in my opinion, the video footage is very inconclusive. It's very hard to come up with any conclusive evidence when it comes to the video that everyone's sharing as like, Hey, there's the giant. Um, and you know, I'm more interested in the social phenomenon. Um, we, uh, I've talked about how, the, and we covered how Elon Musk and X, and I don't know how you feel about all that, but it's it's sort of a <laughs> double-edged sword kind of situation going on where, sure, he's sort of defending constitutional rights and freedom of speech and all this kind of stuff, but also he's the, you know, uh, Starlink guy, Neuralink guy, aut- autonomous cars guy, robots in your house, folding clothes guy. He's the everything guy. So, you know, there's some suspicions about him. But he was in Israel recently after the whole, you know, anti-Semitic kind of accusations from the mainstream. And then he signed a deal with a company called Check, C-H-E-Q, and they were tasked to basically monitor all of, they already have deals with like, well, actually, no, I think they have unofficial monitoring of places like Facebook, but this is official with X, where they're going to monitor without people using the platform knowing it, they're being tested to see if they are bots. So it's like this human test type of thing going on. And to drop in the topic of the Nephilim, let it trend on X, I think is a very interesting social experiment or at least a social media experiment to see where people are at because the word alien is a little saturated. I mean, we're talking about extraterrestrials. We're talking about illegal immigrants. Aliens are just everywhere. It's hard to understand in terms of a keyword search 
type of thing, you know, what the context is exactly. So if you throw in a, a, an untapped resource of a word like Nephilim, then they can really start to tailor messages or at least deliver the uh, disclosure, which I think you said years ago, the disclosure has been happening, the UFO disclosure. Yeah, yeah, it's been it ongoing happened. for years. And mm-hmm. I, we, we want right. to talk to you about that too, because, you know, all the the uh, whistleblower laws changed and things to the Grush guy. And, you know, it's very popular right now. So uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that the topic of the Nephilim, the all the back work is going to come to serve the church in a big way in the next few years here. So any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, you, you've you've hopped around to a lot of different uh, <laughs> Sorry. topics here. I mean, you know, there's like each a lot of the points that you made, we could spend 10, 15 minutes on every single one. <clears throat> the bottom line for me is <clears throat> that we're in a window of time, which is incredibly alarming because of AI, essentially, because AI can obfuscate things to the point where, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we don't know what the truth is. I'll give you an example. A um, couple of months ago, Brendy Wells from John B. Wells Show um, emailed me with this picture, <clears throat> very interesting picture. And in that, there was a, a man, probably like 32, 33 years old, um, long beard, black hair, uh, very unkempt. His clothes were ragged and torn. He was barefoot. He was way up in the Sierra Mountains someplace in a very mountainous region. And next to, next to him was a 14-foot Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch had a wound on his knee, so he had like a cane that he was using. And they were like best buds. And it, 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 for all practical purposes, you know, Brandy was going, L.A., is this real? And I looked at it, and at first I went, wow. <clears throat> it really looks real. But then I really started to scrutinize it. And I sent it to my good friend, Scott Carpenter, who immediately came back, said, this is AI. And this is the problem because it's obfuscating everything to the point where we don't even know what the truth is. We don't. And so when we look at the Miami footage circling into that, what we see, first of all, um, they don't look anything like the tall whites. They, um, if they're if it's real, let's just say it's real for a second. Twelve to fourteen. You're talking feet. about the the, the, uh, the black sort figures, of, the black figures. Yeah, yeah, the alleged yeah. race. One of the races of aliens no, that have would, been sort it, of documented. I disagree. These would be the fallen ones. Mm-hmm. These would be. This is what a fallen angel might manifest at, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not a race of extraterrestrial. But number number two, <clears throat> I've looked at it. In my humble opinion, it looks photoshopped all day long. That's what it looks like to me. It looks right. like someone's taken the footage and inserted something. So it's Photoshop. The three possibilities that we have, one, um, there's a bunch of crazy kids in the mall with fireworks. If you're in a mall and you hear fireworks 100 feet yeah. down, that sounds like you know machine gun, terrorist, you flee because it's going to sound like gunshots. So I get that. And the police don't know what they're dealing with. Right. So, you know, we have a shooter in the mall. They're going to put 100 cars in. I get that. I understand that. And they need to. They need to. That's number one. Number two. Yeah, there it is. So number two is that, you know, 10 foot aliens appeared. And all these guys 
come on. And they, and they, they have her testimony. One, one man in particular says, I was with my brother, my sister, and my nephew. Okay, you don't have to bring your nephew in, but you can bring your sister and your brother, and you, all three of you can be telling exactly what you saw on camera instead of just you. Why can't they come on camera? So I find right. that highly mm. suspicious and looking at clickbait. So number three is that we're just looking at clickbait. People are running with the story because, you know, it's creating this huge buzz and click, 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 click. But there's not a scintilla of real evidence, in my opinion. I mean, I'm looking at the circle, the red circle around the alleged. We don't know what that is. <laughs> That's I mean, saying, you know, yeah. I mean, give me a freaking break. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. You know, people, they look, I was fooled. I don't know. What was it? 2013, 14, whatever, with the ferry from Mexico. Uh, and I yeah. use this as an example. You know, and, and the naysayers, ah, Marjolica, you got fooled. Not so fast, citizen. That's not the way it came down. And if you want to be honest, it's in print. In print, I, I took the x-ray of the so-called ferry. I went to a veterinarian that's local. I showed the veterinarian the x-ray, and I said, what do you think? The vet said, it looks real, L.A. I don't know what to tell you. You know, and yeah, there it is. And I said, well, you know, we're trying to get the ferry out so we can really do forensic on it. So in the book, in writing, I write, as of this book going in the print, I believe that the ferry is real. However, there is that there's that big word. More research needs to be done. So, you know, people, ah, Marzulli, wait, let's be fair. Let's be fair. Marzulli and Shaw got the ferry from Jaime Masson. We got it out of Mexico. Then we took it to another veterinarian, except there were three veterinarians there on a Saturday morning. We immediately x-rayed the thing. All three veterinarians looked at the x-rays and the ferry that was there. We had it in our possession. All three of them were fooled, guys. All wow. three. It wasn't until about an hour and a half later, something like that, the ferries on this on this um, metal uh, uh, plastic tray. And I, I look at it and I go, Doc, what's this? And I take a pair of forceps and I pick up this this thing and I show it to him and he goes, that looks like wood with epoxy on the end. And we went back to the x-ray, and that's where we discovered that the upper arm was the wood. It was a construct. And once mm. we got that, we called Prophecy Watchers. We called Skywatch and said, it's a hoax. It's a hoax. We called Hami Masson. That's real research. That's yeah, what real yeah. research is. We didn't try to cover it up. But that's what research, and sometimes that's, you know, it, it looked real. It fooled three veterinarians. It fooled us, but we needed to do more research. And that's what I've learned from that. That's why I can't say what I'm looking at at Miami. I don't know. It's one of the three possibilities. Well, what that's, about yeah. uh, what, what, what about something like the Mexican courtroom alien? Isn't that the same guy? Isn't Jaime the same it's Jaime guy? Jaime Mutson, and I love Jaime. <laughs> I absolutely love Jaime. He's a great guy. Okay. There was a, and the moment I looked at that, I had a gentleman from um, across the palm that said he looked at the x-rays. They're a construct. And knowing what I knew about the ferry, I immediately, even before this gentleman stated on the record or off the record that it was a construct, I took one look at it and said, it's a construct. Well, just recently, 
in the last five or six days, there was a report that was released um, about these guys. Uh, there were two more that were found and confiscated from customs, and they they looked at them, and they are a construct. That's what they are. I mean, they're 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 put together. So I just had an email from a woman today that wants me to come down to Mexico. Here we go. There's a cave with a bunch of artifacts. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this stuff. And sometimes I go to yeah. these places. And I get, I'll just, let me just tell you one story. I don't know how much time we have, but I had, I had an email from a guy saying that there's a giant skeleton in Virginia City. It's in a museum. The museum's been shut down. Okay. How big is the giant skeleton? I saw it when I was a kid. It's it's a nine or ten footer. Okay. So I hire a private detective. I try to find out who owns the building because the museum was there, but it's shut down. So I find out who the new owner is, and we email them, and we offer them X amount of dollars. Let us come in. Is there any truth to this? He says, yes. There is an artifact that's that was displayed. So I fly in. I go to the place. Uh, I walk in the door, and this gentleman takes me down a flight of steps, which goes not 10 or 12 steps, more like 20 steps. And now we're down in this, you know, I'm back 100 years. The timbers, the uprights are 12 by 12 rough-hewn timbers holding up the floor in the building. There's, wow. a, there's a catwalk, right, that, that goes down this, who knows where it's going? And there's a string of light bulbs that are like this, lighting up everything. It's like and an Indiana stalls. Jones. It's totally. There's stalls with all this old farm equipment and newspapers and just, I mean, it's just like, where am I? Right. And we get to the end and there's another staircase and we go down <laughs> again. And by this time, I'm getting nervous because I'm the only guy there with, with this guy. I mean, yeah. you know, am I going to get out of here alive type of thing? And we finally reached the end of the hall. Same thing. It's on this wooden gangplank. There's just junk all around. It's dimly lit. And I go, well, where is it? He goes, it's over there. And I look over there. It's like a tree fort. You know, the, the ceiling was about 12 to 14 feet above us, way up there. And so there's like this tree fort with a ladder leaning up against the tree fort like this. He goes, it's up there. So I climb up the ladder. I've got my camera. And he goes, pull, you know, slide the door. I slide the door. And there in front of me is a skeleton, a full-blown skeleton laid out with artifacts on it. But it's a construct. It's a real skeleton, but it was done to deceive the public. Above it was a glass lid, which made the skeleton look larger than what it really mm. was. And it was Native American. And I got down off the ladder and I said, well, here's the deal. You know, you need to repatriate this thing. This is somebody's father, uncle, brother. I mean, you know, it's it's not a Nephilim. It's not a giant. It's a Native American. And it comes from something. This is what they did 150 years ago. You know, I have pictures of it. I've never publicized the pictures because it's somebody's uncle. But, you know, that's that just shows you that when being on the trail – that's what you've, you know, you run into. On the other hand, being on the trail, you're running the things like this. This is called right. a cinema skull, 
we did DNA testing on it. We're the only team ever to do DNA testing on the Paraka skulls that I'm aware of. Brian Forrester had guys from Gaia TV. They came down. They did DNA testing. Uh, they did not get the entire genome. We are in the process of trying to coax an entire genome. Um, we've got some other things in the works, which I can't talk about right now, but this is real research. You know, we kind of broke the story, hats off to Brian Forrester, but, you know, Senior Juan Navarro was the one that had all these down in Paracas History Museum. Brian put it on the map. Someone sent that to me. We were on the next plane. Not quite. But we took a team down, and that began the whole quest for DNA, and thank you, Mondo Gonzalez. And just to show you why it's not cradle headboarding, see this? This is the foramen magnum right here. That foramen magnum should be here. You can't cradle board a baby in, in utero and move the foramen magnum. The foramen yeah. magnum is dead center of a skull. This thing's all the way in the back. It's all the way in the back of a skull. If mm, it's any yeah. further back, it's outside the skull. And this is one of the main traits. Is this a Nephilim? And our, in my opinion, it is. Because they show up on Paracas about 3,500 years ago. This is real research. I mean, in fact, I had a, I had a, a molecular biologist come up to me at a conference and, you know, when no one was at the table, he said, I just want you to know something, LA. I'm a, a molecular biologist and I'm still working, so I can't really, you know, come on the record or say anything. But your work on the DNA and the Paracas skulls have sent a ripple through the scientific community. No one will talk about it. Wow. No one will talk about it because it's taboo, because it goes against the Darwinian paradigm. It goes against everything that we're, that we're taught as, as scientists. But, yeah. you know, the DNA isn't lying. The machine doesn't care whether I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian or not. It's spitting out information. And the DNA evidence showed pretty much conclusively that these entities originated from the Middle East or Eastern Europe, which is basically our hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And then we, on our film, uh, On the Trail of Nephilim Number 7, the conclusive DNA evidence, or no, Number 6, we show that... We've got doctors and surgeons and optometrists and geneticists. I mean, archaeologists, anthropologists. I mean, it's a multidiscipline team that comes on the record. All of them are saying this is a genetic aberration. I'm yeah. not making this stuff up. You know, yeah. and that brings me to, I think, is another important point for what's going on in the world today, which is you've got a whole group of people, be they Christian, be they secular, coming in contact with the ideas of the Nephilim. And, uh, you know, they're hearing about it from Tucker and Roseanne and people on the Internet and stuff like that. And uh, I'm not sure if it's apparent uh, across these different popular places that people are hearing about the Nephilim, exactly what that means. You've got a, you know, a, a crowd, whether, excuse me, whether they're secular or Christian or whoever, who are being told that aliens are the Nephilim or the Nephilim are aliens and they're thinking about it in this uh, extraterrestrial sense. Maybe if they're real advanced, they're thinking about it in sort of an interdimensional sense. And this is sort of taken the uh, taking the, the the interest of a large group of people who are really 
being sort of led in simple terms to believe that either extraterrestrials are called Nephilim because of human history, or there's something called Nephilim and they're being mistaken for uh, extraterrestrials. How would you describe the relation to a normal internet person nowadays between extraterrestrials and Nephilim? Nephilim are the progeny of fallen angels and the women of Earth, human women. So there's right. a hybrid entity. There are hybrids that are walking amongst us, Dr. David Jacobs. There is a breeding program that continues today. Watch our films on number four on the abduction. Women are taken. They're impregnated. The third month, the baby is taken. Daniel chapter two, their seed will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not cleave to them. What obfuscates yeah. and muckies things up is this whole deal of the Anunnaki from a Sumerian text yes. and all this other stuff. So people Another go, oh, it's topic. the Anunnaki. You know, they did all this stuff. The Anunnaki are nothing more than the fallen angels. And people go, well, the, you know, this, these, these clay tablets, they, you know, they, they, they predate the Bible. So what are we going to do with that? And what, it's a straw man argument in my opinion. So who cares if it's 10,000 years before the Bible? God waits, and then he brings his two guys in. He brings Moses and Aaron, and they're writing the whole thing. And But when he, when they show up, and I wrote about this in Countermove, out of a Nephilim returned after the flood. When they show up, there's a full-blown occult paradigm in operation on a global level. The yeah. entire Egyptian society is run by the dragon. And he's got all of his priests and guys, and they have power. When Moses throws his staff down, the Egyptian priests go, who cares? We can do that. For those who are new, right? will you define the dragon for those who are new to the, Satan. the lingo? Satan is called the dragon. That's just, yes. Isn't it interesting that in China, the dragon is always trying to capture the seed? They show this all the time, the disc, huh. the dragon and the disc. In, in Ohio, the great serpent mound. Okay, the dragon's mouth is open like 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 this, right? And in front of him is the seed. It's right there. It's screaming at us, screaming. I wrote a paper on this. The serpent mouth, a new paradigm. There's that serpent mouth like this, and right in front of it. Go there and look at it. You tell me what you're looking at. People go, yeah. the New Agers go, well, the dragon denotes wisdom, and he's giving birth to wisdom. Nonsense. It's Genesis 3.15. The dragon is trying to destroy the egg, the seed of the woman. He's trying to destroy the seed of the woman because he doesn't yeah. want to lose his kingdom. But the seed of the woman manifests, finally. Yeah. There it is. Well, right and there. There it is. That's a yeah. And that, you know, that's a big piece of context too. Again, for somebody who is just hearing about the Nephilim, uh I think the context of the term that you coined, the coming great deception, is an interesting one uh to give uh to a newbie, uh, as well as, you know, the the sort of cosmic chess match nature of where we are. And I want you to go back, go back to the serpent mount for a second, if you can, Gone. So there it is. The undulations that, first of all, you can only see it from the air. So I've been there three different times. When you're there, you have no idea what you're looking at. There's an observation right by the, right by the tail. They don't show it in this picture. But there's a two, three-story observation platform that you can look at. 
And at that point, you can kind of get an idea, but it's not until you fly the drone three or four or 500 feet above it like this, then you get the picture. This is Nephilim architecture, fallen angel technology, in my opinion. Those undulations that you see point to the solstices and the equinoxes. The chief of the Shawnee stated on the record that they did not build the Serpent Mound, but they were caretakers of it when they came into the land. Since then, she has redacted that statement, and now, you know, the Shawnee built all this stuff, built the Octagon Mound, built the Circle Mound, built the Serpent Mound that we see. It's, it's, a, it's a lie, with all due respect to First Nation people. Um, and the reason why they do this, because if the Shawnee didn't do it and Native Americans didn't do it, who the heck did it? And we know from Squire and Davis, when they come into Ohio and they ask the Native Americans, First Nation people, and I want to just say something. I highly respect First Nation people. These guys got the shaft like you can't even believe. And their land in some ways is still being stolen from them. I get that. I have great respect for their oral tradition, but nowhere in the oral tradition of Native American tribes is anything like this. In fact, they say, we don't know who built it. It was here when we got here. This is Nephilim architecture, fallen angel technology. Why do you think they would change the narrative or, or you know, switch up, switch up whatever they said in the past? If they, they know they're going public with it, is it something that you think somebody threatened them or no, because this is look, this is the standard um, paradigm in which modern day archeology span exists. There is nothing supernatural. Every, everything has to have a natural explanation. There is no lost race that was here in the Americas. No, nothing, no white man before 1492. So when we're in America, Stonehenge, this is our discovery. I put it on the map. Even though the Stone family found it, they didn't understand what they were looking at until I got there. And this is like, you know, decades after they discovered what's known as the Bow Stone. I'm in the, I'm in the museum with Kelsey Stone, and he's got a cam- I got the camera, and I'm walking around with him, and he's saying, this is the 39-day stone, and this is the stones that we discovered with um with writing on him. I said, well, wow, that's really cool. What does this one say? And he goes, to Bell of the Canaanites in dedication. And I left this on the film. This is number four in the film. And I go, to Bell of the Canaanites in dedication? Are you kidding me? It's written in Iberian Punic. It sat in the museum for 11 years before Dr. Barry Fell came in and said, I think I can translate it. Nobody in that museum knew about the Nephilim. No one had a Nephilim dog in the hunt. I saw it. I about fainted. I couldn't even believe what I was looking at. That stone was buried in what they call the Chamber of Ruins, about a foot and a half, two feet under the soil. What's it doing there? That's why we're going back to America Stonehenge, because that entire site, in my opinion, and this is where it gets really woo-woo, guys, I believe that that site was deliberately closed down. I mean, deliberately closed down in ways that, just like Gobekli Tepe, completely closed down. And that's that's one of the reasons why we want to go back there, because Gobekli Tepe was completely covered over. Right. America yeah, like Stonehenge. America Stonehenge the sacrificial table 
looked like bedrock. There were vines growing on it. They, they, were, they, didn't underst- they didn't understand what it was. They didn't know it was a sacrificial table. They didn't know there were legs holding it up. They knew nothing about it at all. Absolutely nothing about it at all until they started to do archaeological research. The, the standing stone, the standing stone at America Stonehenge, which corresponds to the May 1st sunrise. You know what that is, guys? That's Beltane. Beltane, yeah. May 1st is Beltane. That's the only stone in the entire circle around America Stonehenge which is toppled over. Mm. It's deliberate, guys. It's totally deliberate. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards. They were here in the Americas. My book, let me let me just show it to you. Hold on. Let me let me just give me a second here. Dope. I think it's right here. Yeah, there it is. Here's the skeleton that I I discovered, the picture of the skeleton that I discovered out on Catalina Island. I had three different researchers examine it and look at it, okay? All three, there was no collusion between any of them. All three put that skeleton at just under nine feet. So when I published the book, Richard Shaw, my ex-business partner, he passed away. We went out to the museum. There's the picture. Mm-hmm. What's missing? You tell me what's missing. And here's what it should look like. So, Richard, I had my book with me. We took my book and we, we showed what the picture should look like. They cropped the giant out of the picture, guys. Oh, oh yeah. wow. They cropped the giant out of the picture. <laughs> That's unreal. Yeah, it is. And this this is a museum. These are scientists who pride themselves on looking for the truth? Well, this is the truth right here. Here is the truth. So why didn't you publish that? Because you found the original photo. I found the original photo. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't like, oh, you came after, you 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 found it later. No, you found the original photo. No, 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 no. I found the photo. It was in a museum box. It already, there was a cache of records that went missing for about 50 years. John Borogina found it. Uh, the archaeologists, the anthropologists came out. They looked at everything. So when I got there, everything was in museum boxes. So they, I, I paid $1,000 to have access to it. This is real research. <laughs> and yeah. I went in, and they bring out the boxes. I found that picture within the first hour. I about fell out of my chair. And Gary Stearman said, L.A., there are people who can look at that picture and figure out how big it was. All three of them, all three of the researchers said nine feet. Ralph Glidden stated on the record that he had discovered these nine footers from a lost civilization. And they were elongated skulls that he had pictures of. And I found pictures of those things too out on Catalina. Let me see if I can show you one real quick. Hold on. Yeah, here we go. Look at this. You tell me what we're looking at. Wow. Right? Yeah. So from that comes... My byline, there is a hidden history that's been deliberately obfuscated from the peoples of the world. And that's why I am on the trail of a Nephilim, because, you know, these they're just lying to us. They know they know what's going on. You know, they yeah. know they know that that all this connects back to the biblical prophetic narrative. And right. that's what they're terrified. Yeah, that, that's that's, terrified of. that's what's interesting to me is that 
you know, Jesus talking about as it were in the days of Noah, it's not like the population at the time didn't know what was going on, right? They had to have known that, oh yeah, they came down, they took our women, now these things are running yeah, around. They knew. They knew. Of course right. they knew. So it's very interesting that the the topic is becoming more widely known, or at least we're, I guess we're seeing the beginnings of that because perhaps it'll just be, you know, 10 years from now, it's just, oh yeah, the Nephilim, they're here, they're, well, they've been around. That's that's kind of why I'd like to, for somebody who has not sort of heard the concept of of the of the great deception or the coming great deception, or why should somebody who is just learning about the Nephilim, why should they care at all? Why is it anything past? Oh yeah, it's aliens or something like that. You know, there's a broader storyline. There's a broader uh, context to our lives that actually does make the Nephilim more than just an interesting fringe topic. But there's a sort of a broader game at play that does uh, sort of affect uh, our lives, not just spiritually, but also physically. So this is what's going to happen, in my opinion. It is conjecture. All right. We are looking at the possibility of the fulfillment of prophetic passages uh, in the not too distant future. We don't know yet, but we might be looking at Isaiah 17 which is the destruction of Damascus. We might be looking at the Psalm 83 war, which Bill Salas has written about. We might be looking at the Ezekiel 38 war, because the Ezekiel 38 war, in my opinion, it is everybody's there already. Russia, Turkey, and Iran, and Israel. I mean, everybody's like right there. And Turkey is already saber-rattling. Iran is that close to getting a nuke. They will use it. Um, UFOs have been obsessed with nuclear bases. We broke the story on this with Robert Salas in our Watchers series. Robert Salas was the base commander at the Maelstrom Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Base. He was the base commander. A 60-foot UFO hovered over the fence, hovered over the base. Salas was down 60 feet at CENTCOM. They took off all 10 missiles. They took them offline just like that without touching them. How is that possible? Salas also told us that at another base, they took a 20-ton silo door and just picked it up and moved it over like that, just levitated the thing, wow. okay? We know that when um, the Roswell crash, these are our two films, our latest films, why is there a UFO in New Mexico? Because the 509th bombing group which is the only military organization, military element on the planet that had access to nuclear technology. 509th was the one. They dropped the bombs at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They're stationed in Roswell. Is there any coincidence? You know, I mean, are, are you kidding me? Here's what I think. It takes a minute to set up. When Jesus casts out the demons from the man of the tombs, they, they look at him and go, have you come to torment us before the time? Have you come to torment us before the time? How do they know that? What are they saying? How do they know it's not the time of their, when, they're, when they're cast into the abyss? How do they know that? When Satan is cast to earth, he says, 
you know, it says in the, in the scripture, woe to the inhabitants of earth because the dragon, Satan, has been cast to earth and he knows his time is short. How does he know that? How does Satan know his time is short? You've got two texts right there. Is it possible, is it possible that the dragon, that the, these entities, they're not all knowing, but they know what it looks like when they come down, when they're finally allowed to manifest. They know that there's some sort of a nuclear reaction. So here's, here's the scenario. Because we're linked up with the internet and satellites, the entire globe is linked together. That's never happened before in all of human history. The neo-Darwinists realize that the Darwinian theory doesn't work because the complexity of a DNA molecular structure just didn't fall out of some tree someplace. Somebody invented it. Somebody created this thing. So they're looking for panspermia. They're looking for our creators to show up on the mm -hmm. planet. Interesting. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. And you heard it here first. I've been, I've, I've been saying this pretty much at every conference. You have a nuclear device that goes off anywhere on this planet. And we are getting saber rattling right now that I've never seen before, not since the Cold War decades ago. You get a nuclear event that goes off. What happens to the planet? It creates the greatest climate of fear that humanity has ever experienced collectively yeah, together. But... We're all experienced. We're we're all looking at the internet and our TVs and everything else. We're all we're all completely terrified. Is this it? Are we gonna blow ourselves with smithereens? Guess what? That's when they show up. Mm. That's when they show up. This is the great deception. And it's not. Space Brothers from Zeta Reticuli. These are the fallen ones. This is the coming great deception. They will say they genetically manipulated, they created all life on this planet. They genetically manipulated early man. They started the world's civilizations. Now at this critical time in human history, they are here to usher mankind into a golden age. This is the coming great deception. And so the question is, we go up, they come down. And when we go up, it looks like we've gone into the ships, but we haven't. Interesting. Conjecture. Yeah, conjecture. It's kind of like what, a, a v, v, for the V movie series. Yeah, yeah, similar to yeah. that plot. With well, where, where did V come from? Oh, yeah. 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 Who, who thought that one up, right? <laughs> There's a lot of that. There's a lot of predictive programming when you look at predictive TV shows. programming, absolutely, all day long. All day for all kinds of events. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can do about another 10 minutes, guys. And I would love yeah. to come back. Let's not wait five years, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. No. And I would recommend, uh, to anybody who wants to learn more about the, uh, the Nephilim and the, all the connected, uh, sort of spiraling tendrils of the topic, uh, you're going to want to make sure to check out more of L.A. Marzulli's work. He truly is uh, sort of the godfather of the topic, or at least one of the godfathers of the topic, and we uh, highly recommend it. You can start by listening to the other Canary Cry radio episodes, of course, episode 146, 122, 163, and 58, but you're going to need to go to lamarzulli.net as well, uh, because there you will find just 
decades, just decades and decades of work on the topic. And as you can see, as you can hear, folks, uh, it's much more than what you're getting from Tucker Carlson and uh, Roseanne Barr and the others, believe it or not, even more than what you'll get from a TikTok video. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's much more than sort of a simple explanation and a simple uh, key to a simple lock as well. But uh, like we know now, it's really one of those things. It is a broad scope of effects on one's uh, understanding, not just of the world, but sort of of the cosmos, that there is a storyline, there is a narrative, there is uh, bigger things going on in this realm and other realms as well. Uh, and I think in this day and age, when we are being invited by our own government to believe in extraterrestrials and things like that that is a great moment to start questioning the idea of extraterrestrials if the organizations <laughs> the authorities uh, and the principalities and the powers that have been in control and have uh, gotten very good and are very pleased with their ability uh, to to control your mindset to control your knowledge to control your information if they're coming out and telling you that uh, you know we got visitors from planet bleep blorp it's a pretty good opportunity to start questioning the very concept of uh, of beings coming from other planets. And, you know, it's interesting because Tucker Carlson himself has alluded uh, through all of his, you know, and I could just talk about Tucker because he's such an enormous influence and a yeah, lot of people yeah. are hearing about this from him. He himself has, in, uh, has alluded to the idea that the UFOs, the UAPs, the extraterrestrials that we are being sort of baited with are much darker and they are spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly who he's talked to or what, you know, where his information comes from, but we can tell you that Canary Cry Radio and L.A. Marzulli have been telling you this for quite some time. Uh, so just another opportunity. We may be just itching to believe our leaders about UFOs, UAPs, and extraterrestrials, but it is yet another invitation to dig deeper, and perhaps there is something uh, not quite so straightforward about what they want you to believe. Yeah. You know, L.A., one last quick question for you, and this is, I'm sure we can discuss this all night, but so in your opinion, do you think there are still these the, the the skeleton that you hold held there the skull live nephilim walking around somewhere hiding directing perhaps world affairs that type of thing are they going you know coming in contact with the pope like what what where are they if they're around uh dr david jacobs is a secular researcher wrote a book called walking amongst us al matthews uh, one of the abductees in our film um, had contact with can only be called a human alien hybrid, obviously in modern day Nephilim. So when we talk about, you know, um, hybrids, we're talking about 
Nephilim, because that's what they are. There's the seed of the dragon, human women. And we also know from our catamaran, by the way, you can get all of our films by going to streaming.lamarzulli.net. So it's instant gratification for the price of a Starbucks coffee, for crying out loud. You can be binge watching all these films and invite your friends over and educate them. But in our catamutilation film, um, we came up with something that no one else has come up with because most people don't come from a biblical prophetic narrative. So we know that the women are taken, they're impregnated. Then they're after the third month of pregnancy, they're reabducted and that baby is taken from them. That child, that entity, who's a hybrid, is a Nephilim in my opinion, need, it can't live outside the womb. It needs something to go into. Cattle mutilation, the cattle blood, bovine blood can be used in human transfusions. Oh, boy. So you think they're taking the blood, taking the body parts as a way to soothe? Because I, I if I'm not mistaken, Dr. David Jacobs also, because I read some of his book, um, discussed how, yeah, the, the, the child can't, even after the child is born, they can't survive without being held and touched and stuff. So they had... Uh, I, I believe right. one of the, the accounts had to do with just holding the baby. just so Holding the, the baby, yeah. exactly, exactly. So what they're doing, Gons, um, and look, am, am I the first person that's ever come up with this? I don't know. I've never heard it from another researcher. Maybe somebody else has connected the dots. I don't know. And if you have, please show me where, what year, uh, and I'll be more than happy to give you credit. But as far as I know, we're the only team that's connected the dots. They are creating artificial wombs with, with the material, genetic material from the cow. That's what they're doing. They're creating artificial wombs for the hybrids to reach maturity. We covered artificial embryos in the mainstream, I think like yeah. last year or something, yeah, they yeah, started it, talking about yeah, yeah, the artificial womb, the synthetic womb and yeah. the whole thing. It's unbelievable. So. It's unbelievable where we are. This is why he's got to come back. There it is right there. Yeah. He's, he's got to come back because we're at the point where, you know, they're messing with the DNA. They're messing with the building blocks of life. Um, and he's going to step in. He's going to step in. He's got to. Yeah. There's that scripture that says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. So what are we really looking at? This this whole genetic manipulation stuff, the stuff they're injecting. No one even knows what it is for crying out loud. But hurry up and get that jab. And, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and now we know that, wait a minute, time out. People are dropping like flies. But the media won't even cover it. Yeah. Grand Paul stated on the record just a couple of days ago that, in his opinion, Fauci should go to jail. Why? Because of what he did, you know, and then, and then Fauci, Oh, I don't remember. I never said that. I mean, it's like, you gotta be kidding me. He's not here to defend himself, but, but what's in this thing? You know, what is in this thing that everybody was forced? Not ever. I didn't take it. No way. I was going to take that junk. Yeah. I don't know what's in it. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and as we know, this is mainstream reported now. Uh, finally, you know, we've had the tests on the leftover vials, and it's confirmed now that there was all sorts of stray DNA in at least a majority of tested samples. Uh, and again, like as in the days of Noah, 
tampering with the image, corruption of the image, the, uh, the tampering with the DNA is a, a big part of the sort of secret story of why the flood uh, happened in the first place. And now we have not only people and institutions messing with, uh, uh, you know, the genetic code, but also on a broad population wide scale. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the parallels are, they just don't stop coming. No, they yeah. don't. Well, it's, it's in some ways it's terrifying. And in other ways, it's like when you see these begin to happen, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. I'm looking up. That's all yep. I know. I'm looking. That's up. the thing to do, folks. L.A., thank you so much for your time, my thanks, friend. Guys. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, we thanks, will LA. make sure to thanks, get you Tom. back on before five years passes Please. because Lord Please. knows, Lord knows, there's a lot more information that we need to catch up on, but also uh, keep uh, keep pounding on. I mean, we, we, there now is not the time to let up on the truth. It's just the time to double down. Amen. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, guys. Right. God bless you both. Take care. Thanks, L.A. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio with L.A. Marzuli. Make sure to come back next time. But before you do, think outside the cage. for value. We take no money from corporations, commies, or cartels. Canary Cry Dr. Support!